Welcome to the Get Down with Herbie Brown. This is a weekly series that showcases the world of sports with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. From the recruiters and players to the teams and coaches, we've got it all covered. Now, here's your host, Coach Herbie Brown. Family, we're back. We're back again. Coming at you live from Merritt Island, Florida. I got my buddy Kelvin Harris on the line with us. Kelvin, how you doing? I'm doing great, Harley. How you doing? Good, man. A lot has happened since we last talked last week, buddy. Training camp has been going well. Again, we got our first game this weekend, Friday night at O'Galley High School. These mighty Mustangs. We're going to travel down to O'Galley and show them what a Mustang is really made of. But in the meantime... Are you sure? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm, 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 I'm sure. Trust me. These Mustangs don't play. We, we're serious about this thing. Go black and gold. Go black and gold. Go Mustangs, go. Okay, so the last time we talked, we ended up, we were talking about all the college football programs, professional football programs here in the state of Florida. So, but we didn't get a chance to talk about UCF, Scott Frost, and University of South Florida, Charlie Strong. And we didn't get a chance to talk about FAU, Lane Kiffin, first, first year head coach. At FAU, at one time, Lane was the youngest coach in the history of the NFL. At that, I believe, when he was coaching with the, um, yeah, he was coaching with the Raiders. Thirty-one or thirty-two, something like that. Yeah, yeah, but but he's also the son of Monty Kiffin, you know, longtime defensive coordinator, you know, Super Bowl winner, you know, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I mean that that, yeah, but you know, I mean exactly, Sat was with him. But, um, but, but Lane has carved out his own path. Lane has done, an extremely, done extremely well with coaching. Lane was the office of coordinator at the University of Alabama, and he led, helped lead the University of Alabama to a national championship. And one could say that, had it not been for the departure of Lane Kiffin, leaving before the national championship game, Nick Saban would have had another national championship under his belt. So I think I think they would have had a good shot, and I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Brian Dayball is a good offensive uh, mind, but they're going to uh, they're going to miss Monty Kiffin. I mean, I know there were some personality clashes, but the job he did with Jacob Coker and Blake Sims. I mean, me and you, the way he was coaching, me and you could have quarterbacked them, and, and, and I mean, he did a great job. And I oh, think yeah. Yeah. Nick Saban took that for granted. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, he did. But fortunate enough for Clemson and our boy Woody up there, Dabo Sweeney, you know, they, they got their national championship. Dabo got his first national championship, with, I mean, he, which he deserves. I, I think those guys are doing a great job up there with Clemson. And, you know, they represent the ACC. So I'm happy for them. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, Lane left and took his play calling ability with him. And Clemson and ACC was able to go out and show that, you know, hey, the SEC is not the, the only football program in the country. There's great teams around the country, and the ACC has a few of them. University of Miami, Florida State, Clemson, University of North Carolina. And we're going to talk to Butch Davis later on, and we're going to talk about the contribution that he made to help bring in respect to North Carolina football. 
Well, I don't really think there's a difference between the SEC and the ACC. Yeah, they recruit the same guys. The only, I think the thing that had hurt the ACC over the past few years is that they had a lot of co- coaching turmoil at some of the top programs, and there was some transition. And it's now you got a situation where the, the, the coaching is stabilized, and now um, you're going to see that, you know, Clemson, they got, you know, they got their weight up, Florida State. Is back where they should be, and I think we are back where we should be. So, I mean, what's the difference between Clemson and South Carolina? Clemson is a better program. I mean, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I mean, Georgia Tech runs an awkward offense, but they got just as good of uh, defensive talent as uh, Georgia. And I think really what was uh, the difference was Alabama was winning championships. Auburn snuck a couple in there. But when you look at an ACC defensive line in an SEC defensive line, there's really no difference. And that's and I think that's the biggest key in all of football is that those two conferences have the best set of D linemen out. I oh, mean yeah. you would know no, no doubt. being being you know coaching in the uh, in the ACC. Say that again, Kevin, I didn't hear what you said. Because if you look at look at Florida State, Clemson, Miami North Carolina State, those four D-lines are, okay, Alabama, I would say, has a good D-line, but I don't think Alabama's front four that's going to start this year is better than the front four North Carolina State, Florida State, Clemson, or Miami. Well, I'll tell you what now. Florida State, Clemson, and Miami, I think they'll have – Arguably, probably the three best defensive lines in the country. Well, I'm gonna you tell know, you something. You, you got to give LSU their props. I think Arden Key is gonna, you know, he's gonna be one of the best pass rushers in the country. But when you start talking about the University of Miami, you got Chad Thomas, you got um, Norton, Demetrius Norton, Jackson, uh, you got Kendrick Mac- Norton. We call him KJ Kendrick Norton Jr. Then you got RJ McIntosh. Man, I just think that you know. I, I think that the University of Miami could arguably have one of the best defensive lines in the country. And Florida State's always going to have one. You know, Florida, Odell Higgins does, a, does an amazing job out there. So, you know, we, we look forward to both, seeing both of those kids, that those guys play. Well, I'm going to tell you something, The best D-line in the ACC coming back is Bradley Chubb. <laughs> it ain't even close. Okay. I don't understand why he even came back. <laughs> I thought he was going to be a first and second round draft pick. And they got all three of the guys that rotate inside back, and they were thick. And that's what I'm saying. It's like nobody's paying attention to North Carolina State, but they got a great D-line. And, you know, Coach Davis set the foundation in North Carolina. They got some good D-linemen. Oh, yeah. But, right, Miami, Florida State, and Clemson, man, it's some some grown men on them, them 3D line. Yes, especially up there at, 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 um, at Miami and Florida State. You know, Clemson's been known for that defensive line over the last five or six years. As a matter of fact, well, let's, they, let's go even further back. Let's go 10. Clemson's D-line has been phenomenal. And, you know, it's good. Hey, and they showed it last year when they won a national championship. They got some nice depth. They got a kid, a second-year second guy, Dexter Lawrence. He reminds me of a guy I played against um, – uh, when I was with the Rams guy, I uh, played for the Raiders named Chester McLaughlin. He's got Chester's number. Oh, yeah, I remember Chester. 
Chester had the biggest head I've ever seen on a human being. I mean, he yeah. had a refrigerator on his head. And yeah. unfortunately, when he got out of playing, he, he actually lost a lot of weight and was doing good coaching at Stanford. And he had, a, a I guess, an aneurysm or something. He passed away a few years ago. But Dexter Lawrence is like 6'5", 350. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, you know, that's the kind of talent they got on the D-line. But you're right, Florida State and Miami, man, they are low. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a great game on the 16th. But in the meantime, we got Scott Frost over here at the University of Central Florida. And Scott Scott had a great season last year. His first year coaching, first year head coach, and then first year, you know, down here in, in the state of Florida. And they're doing a pretty good job recruiting. So we look forward to seeing Scott again this year. Well, they lost a lot on defense, but they got that one kid with the one hand back, the Griffin kid. But they lost a lot of D linemen. Um, I was watching uh, their game against Arkansas State in that uh, bowl game because uh, we, you know, Miami plays Arkansas State, right? And um, they got a young quarterback. They got some young receivers, but their old line was just getting run through. I mean, man, <laughs> it was. Yeah, but but Scott's system, you know, his offensive system, what he's trying to do with this system over there, it kind of. It makes up for the lack of offensive line. You know, you you don't have to be you know, Brian McKinney to play in that system, and I think he understands that. I think he understands and knows that he's not going to be able to go out and recruit that Brian McKinney. So, what his offensive system has to be able to do is to to kind of hide those guys. You know, because he, he's at UCF. He's not at Florida. He's not at Florida State or Miami. And, you know, don't get me wrong, UCF is a great school, but in that conference, a lot of kids, you don't get those 6'5", 6'6", offensive linemen. You normally get them 6'2", 6'3", and every now and then you'll, you'll, you'll run across one that's 6'4", 6'5", but for the most part, you're getting that second-tier kid. You know, you're not going to get that first-tier kid because there's too many programs in the in the state, and then when you get you know, the likes of a Michigan or Ohio State and those those guys coming down there recruiting Alabama, LSU, Georgia, you know, with James Coley now, he's up in Georgia and he he understands the the laws that are laying down here as well as anybody. So when you get all those schools coming down here, Tennessee with Larry Scott, you know, yeah. so when you get all those guys coming down here to recruit, it's kind of hard for Scott to be able to go and pick and choose, you know, the better players. So, and, and that's arguably one of the reasons why they hired him, because of his offensive scheme, because of what he was doing. Well, you know, so. I think, I think one of the things that if you're Scott Frost and even maybe even Charlie Strong, and definitely, you know, Coach Davis and um, Lane Kiffin is that you don't, you say to yourself, I'm not going to get no Ron Thompson from Miami uh, Central who's 6'5 and 355 and can start right away at the University of Miami. But I can go get that kid. At 6'3", 270 to 280, red shirt him, get him in the weight room, and he puts on a good 20 pounds. And by you know his red shirt sophomore year, he's 3'10", and he's solid, and he can play two or three positions for us. They got a kid from my high school that plays left guard for him, Tate Hursley. He's an example of that. I mean, he came there, right. I think he was 270, I think he's 295, 300 now. Uh, and, you know, so I think... He can have success with his O-line. He just can't have no unrealistic expectations of getting them five-star guys that, you know, the big power five schools are getting. 
Right. I, I think he understands that. He, he, you know, especially when you're not from the state of Florida. When you come to the state of Florida, he's got Coach Beckton over there. He's got a few guys over there that understands, you know, the, the laws of the land here in the state of Florida when it comes to high school and, you know, recruiting and stuff like that. So I think he's going to be okay. But we got to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to finish up this conversation. We're going to talk a little bit about Charlie Strong and what he's doing over there at the University of Central Florida and our expectations of him. I've always liked Charlie, even when he was the defensive coordinator at the University of Florida, even though it was the University of Florida. But Charlie was um, was always very intriguing to me. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have some more for you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune into The Revolution with Jim and Trav this week as we discuss essential outdoor survival skills. You'll hear a tale how one man survived a near-fatal shooting in the woods. Joining us is Laura Shera, host of Survival Science, Jay Gregory from The Wild Outdoors, and Yamaha's ATV and side-by-side group marketing manager, Steve Nessel. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on The Voice America Sports Channel. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Family, we're back. We're back. Back with my main man, Kelvin Harris. We were just talking about the University of Central Florida and Scott Frost and what he's got to do to be able to... What he's got, what he has to do in order for him to be able to compete in recruiting here in the state of Florida. Okay, you're talking about a guy who played at Nebraska. He actually played with Lawrence Phillips. There was a little part in the Lawrence Phillips story that that showed Scott Frost. And um, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but you know, just to you know, to let everybody know and understand, he comes from a very successful college football team. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been around for a long time. And then, you know, he was also a coordinator. Good player. He was a great player. He's a great player. Matter of fact, he played against Miami when Sapp went with him, him and Lawrence Phillips. Well, and they, they I, put it on Miami. They actually won the national nice championship against Miami. Or they won the Orange Bowl. I give Earl Little and Chad Wilson a lot of grief because that was supposed to be one of the greatest teams of all time. And if, uh, if the U.M. secretary don't fold up like a tent against Corey Schlesinger in the last five minutes, Miami wins that game and probably wins another national championship. 
Exactly. But they, they man, Lawrence Phillips was, <laughs> I don't know if it was Chad and, and Earl's fault, but I tell you what, Lawrence Phillips was a grown man in that game, boss. He was a grown man, but that Corey Schlesinger kid was also a grown man. Yeah, Corey Schlesinger was, was a grown man, but Scott Frost, you're right, uh, early, between his time in Nebraska and then being at Oregon and being around that, you know, that program that they built up, he uh, he's seen some success. But I think oh, yeah. he's in a tough situation because when you look at the coaching in the state of Florida right now, he's last on the totem pole. I mean, yeah. Alex Woods got more national titles than him at FAMU. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, yeah, but you're talking about two totally different schools. I mean, it's and one, once the kids, first of all, when you go to UCF, you got to understand this. When you when you drive over to UCF and you drive through that campus, man, it, it takes you back. You just like wow. It's like its own little city. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful campus. And once you get those kids on that campus and they get a chance to see it, the only thing that, in my opinion, that hurts the University of Central Florida is the conference that they're in. The kids and their entourages and their families don't see that conference as a major powerhouse conference. And it's not. Because ultimately, what does everybody want to do that's going to college? They want to do what? They want to go play professional football. And they don't see those types of players coming from those types of programs. Yeah, but Hurley, I'm going to say this about the program before they got Scott Frost. George O'Leary put a lot of people in the league. I mean, I know he had a down year, a really down year, but they put a lot of people in the league. The Murray kid is not a running back for the Vikings. Latavius Murray. Hmm? Latavius Murray, the running back. Who's actually from right-hand Titusville. They've got a lot of guys in the pros, and they were putting guys at, at all positions in the pros. And I just think maybe a lot of people felt that George O'Leary just kind of laid down on the program. He had gotten tired. But, I mean, I think Central Florida, despite the conference they're in, they're going to put that, – that Griffin kid is going to play in the league even though he doesn't have a hand, I think. Well, i tell you what. Here's somebody that can tell us all about recruiting. Here's somebody that can tell us all about championship building. And, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to take my time, coaches. If, if it's okay with you, I want to take my time and introduce this guest because I think it's, it's a just do to make sure that everybody knows who this guy is. And I probably don't have to introduce him, but I'm going to. Coach, you, at the, you, you coached at Oklahoma. Well, actually, let's go back. Let's go way back. You played at the University of Arkansas. You coached at Oklahoma State. Then you came to the University of Miami, where you were a part of putting together, in my opinion, one of the greatest football teams in college football history, that 1986 team. And, Kelvin, I think you can attest. Jerome Brown, Winston Moss, Melvin Bratton, Lonzo Highsmith, Benny Testaverde, the Blaze Brothers, Brett Perriman, Alfredo Roberts, Michael Irvin, the playmaker. 1986, arguably, arguably the best team in college football history. Then you went to the Dallas Cowboys. And as a defensive coordinator with the Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, you took them to back-to-back Super Bowls. Then you came back to the University of Miami, and again, you put together one of the greatest teams. And we argue this all the time, Coach, but you put together one of the greatest teams in college football history, Sean Taylor. Ed Reed, Ken Dorsey, Willis McGahee, Edron James, Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne, 
Now, I can't even I can't even name everybody that that you recruited. Clinton Porter's, and that's a whole nother story. As a matter of fact, Coach, a couple of your guys are getting inducted into the Ring of Honor this season. Ed Reed, and it was one more. Okay, but then you go to the Cleveland Browns, and then you come back to college football. You go to the University of North Carolina, where nobody in North Carolina and Tar Heel and Powder Blue and none of that stuff is thinking about football. You made football relevant at the University of North Carolina. And Coach, that, and, and again, you are a champion. You, you are known to have built champions. Man, you, you are, and you are Kane, and we love you. But welcome to the show, Coach Bush Davis. Thank you for coming mm-hmm. on, calling, and joining to get down with Hurley Brown. I got Kelvin Harris on the other line. And again, <laughs> you well, are I, everything I, that a coach wants to be. Let me just say this. Obviously, for everybody that's listening out there, you know, it cost me a fortune to pay Hurley to say all those good, kind things about me and uh, broke my broke my bank account. But Hurley, I'm very I'm very grateful and very humble that, uh, you know, I think all coaches and, and certainly, you know, no one should ever think that they did any of these things, accomplished them all by themselves, whether it's. Jimmy Johnson or Howard Snellenberger or myself at Miami or any of the other coaches. I mean, it took it takes an awful lot of uh, dedicated, hardworking people to build any kind of a championship teams. And whether it was the Super Bowl teams or the teams at Miami that played for national championships, your great assistant coaches and phenomenal, absolutely unbelievable, uh, committed, dedicated, and hardworking athletes. And uh, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to be a part of those and. Uh, and just you know, it's uh, you know it's one of the things that just obviously is a highlight of your life to to be able to say that you had a small little part in helping a lot of those kids accomplish you know remarkable things, the educations that they got, and the teams that they played on, the championships that they won. So um, you know it's uh, it, it's really an honor, and I and Harley, I appreciate the opportunity to to be with you today on the radio. Well, Coach, I'll tell you what, it's an honor for us to have you here. And right now, you're the head coach at Florida International University, the Golden Panthers. Okay, now, well, I want to take just a moment for you to tell everybody j- just a little something about FIU and to let these recruits and their parents know why it's so important for guys that take Florida International University football serious and understand that there's some great things going on down there right now. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ari. I appreciate that. It's, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, when, when I look back over the last couple of years after I left Greg Ciano and, and uh, at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you sit there and I worked for ESPN and was unbelievably grateful for the opportunity that ESPN gave me. I got a chance to cover a ton of college football, both on the road and at games and at bowl games, national championship games, and, and obviously on the weekend on the desks and working there. And, uh, you know, but as opportunities came along, you, you wanted to go someplace where there was an enormous commitment by the administration where they said, you know what, we want to be special. We want to be different. We want to have a, a winning program. We want to, we want to compete at, a, at an extraordinarily high level. And the president at FIU, Mark Rosenberg, and the athletic director, Pete Garcia, and the board of trustees said, you know what, we would love to have, uh, we've got a great university that's got a med school, it's got a law school, it's got a marine atmosphere. 
Pacific Biology School. Uh, there's tons, Florida International, the international business community. There's there's over 50,000 students in uh, that go to school at FIU, and there's over a quarter of a million, Hurley, graduates in Dade and Broward County alone. And wow. uh, so I think that there, I yeah. think that there's some hunger for this university to have something that can become a showcase that can kind of uh, you know put the university on the minds of of athletes and and just regular students across the country. And and their goal was is you know how do you build a program that can go 13 and 0, and how do you build a program that can compete for championships? How do you build a program that uh, you know has a chance to to go to the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Bowl and any of the January one bowl games, and and it starts with an administration that's dedicated to it. And one of the things, Harley, that's been exciting for us is is the enormous amount of of things that they've allowed us to do. We built two brand new practice fields, a brand new jumbotron, mm-hmm. the new turf at the stadium, uh, new nutrition. We've hired uh, three additional strength and conditioning coaches, a sports psychologist, a dining facility for the players, players lounge. I mean, uh, anybody that has any idea about it. FIU football in the previous years, you would be blown away if you came here and saw all the things. I mean, there's still construction dust going on. We got classes that start next week, and and we're still finishing some of these projects uh, uh, to make this a unique and special place for high school football players to want to come here and get a great education. And Hurley, you know this. I mean, you've coached it, you've played it, you've recruited it. Uh, for those people that are out there listening, there's no more competitive high school football place than the state of Florida. I mean, it just it resonates all the way from Key West to the Panhandle of Pensacola all the way up to Jacksonville and everything in between. High school football players love to play. They love to compete, and uh, which gives us the access. Being in the heart of Dayton, Broward, Palm Beach County, and the southern part of the state of Florida, there's just so many outstanding kids, and uh, you know, are we going to get them all? Of course not. You know, nobody's going to get them all. Uh, there, last year, there was over 450 kids in the state of Florida signed Division One scholarships. You know, and wow. so we're trying to get the 25 that are, make a difference for this program, and and we want to be electric. We want to be something that uh, people watch us play, and and uh, you know, and obviously, like all coaches, I've stolen a lot of ideas from a lot of people. I used the same blueprint a little bit when we resurrected and rebuilt the Miami program and, and it starts with getting kids that love to compete and kids that have got speed and kids that love to play and compete against you know the best players in the country and, and we're going to use that same formula that same blueprint at FIU and, and hopefully you know each year we're going to continue to get better and better and better and uh, you know hopefully uh, somewhere down the line you know we'll be one of those teams and I told a lot of people early I said you know you think about over the last 10 to 15 years, there's been some of the most enormous resurrections of programs that previously had no history. You know, uh, TCU and Kansas State for decades... Were, exactly. were the doormats of their conference. I mean, they, they, I mean, they went thirty and thirty-five years that they never even went to bowl games. And wow. UConn went to an Orange Bowl and Tulane and and Northern Illinois. There's a lot of schools. Uh, last year, Western Michigan played in the Cotton Bowl. And so you look at those teams that end up going twelve and one or thirteen and zero, and they get a chance. And it's like you know, well, why not us? Why why can't we? Because we have every bit as an opportunity to recruit enough special players here to FIU as any of those schools did. And, uh, you know, the first the first program early, and I think all the fans 
schools across the country can certainly appreciate this. The first school that really resur- resurrected a program was Boise State. I mean, there was a period exactly. of time nobody ever even dreamed that Boise State would be a good football <laughs> program. And now, year in and year out, they're one of those teams that's got a chance to be 10-2, 11-1, 12-0, get a chance to play mm-hmm. in huge bowl games. And, and uh, you know, and I'd have to think, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in Boise, Idaho, but I have to think that there's more players in the state of Florida than there are in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And, Coach, as a matter of fact, you got a whole bunch of them down there this past season. You guys had a great recruiting class. Hey, now, we got to take a break. But, Coach, if you got a few more minutes for us, we're going to sure. come back and we're going to talk about your recruiting class and, you know, what, where, do you, where do you see those guys making a contribution this year. So we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back with the championship coach, our head coach, Coach Bush Davis. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Family, we're back. We're back. Back with Coach Butch Davis, head coach of Florida International University, the Golden Panthers. Now, Coach... You've been extremely successful with identifying players and projecting them from high school to college. You know, we talk about the Clinton Porter story where everybody wanted Clinton to play defensive back. You brought him in, you saw him, and you you saw how good he could possibly be at the running back position. And the kid goes on in a second-round draft choice and arguably one of the, the best running backs in the NFL at, at the time that he played. Now, you guys just had a great recruiting class. And it, a lot of people argue that this was the best recruiting class in years 
for Florida International University. But I got a bunch of kids out here right now that are listening that need to understand and know what does Butch Davis look for when he's evaluating talent? Early, I mean, obviously, there, there's two categories, and, and first category is is you're looking for kids, you know, they've got great character, great integrity, uh, kids that really, truly, academically, they're committed to trying to get a college education, because as you well know, you know, the NFL is an unbelievable, awesome inspiration for kids and a goal to accomplish and achieve, but it's not a career. You don't play football for 25, 30 years in the NFL, and and so there's that aspect of it. Then when you get into the athletic aspect of it, Harley, I love kids, to be honest with you. I love kids that love to compete. I love kids that are that have a lot of versatility, that potentially um, a guy like like Sean Taylor. I mean, when, when we recruited Sean Taylor, he could have probably started at about seven different positions on a college football team. He could have been a running back, a wide receiver, a corner safety. Uh, he wow. could have been an outside wheel linebacker. So you look at guys, you know, how much versatility because you're trying to find guys uh, that can become elite at the position that they're playing. Um, I, I like kids that, uh, you know, that, that really, you know, they, they've got speed and they've got athleticism. And one of the things that I share all the time with kids is, is that, you know, I actually like kids, and, and this has kind of been a history going back to Oklahoma State and early years at Miami and the second run through Miami, is finding kids that, that play multiple sports. That, uh, that kids that, you know, sometimes some of the kids that we have recruited, and it happened this past year at FIU, but there's times, you know, you sign kids that are 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and they're, you know, they're 200 and maybe 25 pounds, 230 pounds, and everybody goes, well, they're clearly not nearly as big as they need to play Division One football. But they don't remember that they played basketball 30 games in high school, and then they went and played either baseball or they wrestled or they played or they ran track. And when right. you play a lot of sports, you know you're never going to fulfill the the growth and stuff. And I'm going to give you two examples. Uh, uh, Harley, we, we signed two defensive ends last year. Uh, one of them was Kevin Oliver, and one of them was Noah Curtis. And both of them are six four and a half, six five, six five and a half. And and when we signed them, they were like 222, 223 pounds. And uh, just last week, after 10 days of training camp, both of them, one of them's 258, the other's 262. And wow. uh, they've, been part of our pro- they've been part of our program now for only six, six weeks during summer session B, and then, you know, two weeks of the first part of training camp. But now that they're committed to, to the lifting, the nutrition program, the eating, and all the things that we're doing, they're blowing up. You know, and, 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 and you can see that resonate all across the board at, at a lot of positions. It, it happened to the Reggie Waynes. It happened to, to all the kids that we had at Miami. Uh, Jeremy Shockey came in as a, as a ex wide receiver that was probably 218 pounds and he left Miami at about 245, 50 pounds and, and had a fabulous career in the NFL. And, uh, you know, but you, you find kids that, uh, you know, obviously they got speed, they got upside potential. And I love the fact that, you know, I mean, go back to the days of like, uh, like Ray Lewis. I mean, he was a fabulous wrestler in high school. And, and one of the kids, you know, Harley, that I signed at the University of North Carolina, uh, his name is Robert Quinn. And two years ago, he was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I think he had 19 and a half sacks for the LA Rams. 
And uh, one of the things that was unbelievable about him coming out of high school, he wasn't super highly recruited. Uh, A lot of schools, the Clemsons and the Virginia Techs and Georgia showed a little bit of interest and stuff like that. But he was a two-time national heavyweight wrestler. Uh, Mm. And so, you know, he was a 230-pound kid that blew up to become 275 and 80 pounds, and he could run four or five as a defensive end. And uh, so those are the kinds of things that you're looking for in kids. And, uh, you know, guys that just, as you well know, you can't be champions if you don't love kids that love to compete. And right. uh, so that's something that we're looking for. Wow. That's a mouthful. So all you young kids out there, Coach, we, I got a kid right now who's a baseball football player. His name is Mason Denneberg. He throws a 97-mile-per-hour fastball. They're talking wow. about this kid possibly getting drafted right out of high school to go play in the majors. Sure. But now I'm having an issue with him on whether or not he's going to play football. And we keep trying to convince him that he's more valuable if he's a two-sport athlete as opposed to just being a one-sport athlete in high school. So I'm, I'm glad you said that because I'm, ho- I'm hoping he's listening. As a matter of fact, we're going to go back and play this and, and replay it for him so he can listen to one of the greatest evaluators in college football today telling us yeah. that he loves guys that play multiple sports. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really you know, appreciate Harley, they did a they did a great they did a great job on ESPN the other night. They did a uh, you know a piece on on Deion Sanders and Deion Sanders played four sports in high school and right. uh, you know he, he was a football basketball ran track played baseball and you remember when I recruited Kenny Kelly to come to the University of Miami and and yep. Kenny had a fabulous career as a quarterback. We beat Ohio State, we beat Georgia Tech in a bowl game in the Gator Bowl and stuff and and you know and he played quarterback in college for us in the summertime. He was playing in Major League Baseball in the minor leagues, and going into his senior year, he had a chance to sign a, a fabulous contract. He ended up playing, I think, eight or nine years in Major League Baseball for the Seattle Mariners and the Cincinnati Reds. And Exactly. And I just think that the more sports that kids play, it gives them better options, and it keeps the door alive at a lot of different sports. Right. Wow. Well, Mason, Mason Denneberg, I'm ho- I hope you're listening. I'm gonna, hey, I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. Now, Coach, you signed a bunch of kids out of Miami. As a matter of fact, you, you signed two kids that were in the top 150 recruits in the state of Florida. Um, well, the Bowles, Cody yeah, Bowles. You know, well, Harley, we tried, you know, obviously last year uh, we, signed, uh, we signed 21 players and I think 17 of them came from Dave Broward and Palm Beach County, which is, you know, that's going to be that's going to be you know the home for a high percentage of the kids. We're going to try to expand that. We signed a couple of kids on the West Coast, and uh, and the, the only one player that we signed outside the state was a wide receiver uh, that we signed, Bryce Singleton from South Carolina. That actually uh, Sterling Sharp, that you know, played in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers and stuff. He kind of turned us on to to him and uh, and said there was a lot of people that was kind of overlooking him. He had some interest from Georgia Tech, and I think Clemson was kind of in South Carolina. He was kind of on the back burner with them, and and uh, he's been a fabulous kid. I mean, he's he, he unbelievably good talented athlete, played quarterback and wide receiver and defensive back in high school, and and so we're very happy to have him, but, you know, most of the kids, you know, I mean, obviously our, our recruiting base is going to start here in the in the South Florida area and, and expand as needed, you know? 
Oh, yeah. That's that Tri-County area. That's where all your players are. A now, lot of them. I'll tell you, and I'm going to tell you something, too, Harley, that's changed dramatically, and, and this is kind of in your backyard, is is how important that the, the Space Coast area, from Bureau Beach up to Jacksonville, and uh, there's some unbelievably talented programs and great athletes in that area, and, and uh, that's an area that we really have tried to put an emphasis on in the last three or four or five months is to build some relationships with the high school coaches and programs in that area and, and uh, try to have, make sure that we've got a presence in there. And, and, uh, and you know, we've got a couple of kids, Alex Magoo, the starting quarterback that's from the Jacksonville area. So we've got some kids on the team and we just got to, you know, uh, we just got to get a little bit of peace of, in, in every single one of these hot, hotbed areas in the state of Florida. Right. So, hey, Coach, we only got a couple of minutes left. And I know you got to get back to work. I got one last question for you. All right. With all the success that you've had over the years in recruiting and building championships, can that be duplicated at FIU? It's a two-part question. And can FIU and Miami, who are less than 15 miles apart, I think it's actually 12 miles, can they be the equivalent to USC, UCLA? Yes. Well, yeah, the, you know, the easy part of that question, obviously, Harley, is is that President Rosenberg, that is his dream. I mean, the very first five minutes that I met him, you know, his his vision for this school, because FIU right now, I think we're the third largest school in the United States, and the only two that are bigger than us is Arizona State and UCLA. Mm. And he his model and his mind is he would love for FIU to be like UCLA. And uh, and obviously with with USC being a private school, Miami being a private school, where they've got you know six, seven, eight thousand students at each of those institutions and stuff. You know, uh, you know Miami. You know, they fortunately they've got a long history and a tradition. They've had a football program for over seventy years, and, and uh, FIU you know didn't even start a football program until nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine, and so it's been a while. Uh, but do I think that I absolutely believe that if 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 given the resources and uh, and the support by the fans and the alumni and stuff, there, I don't think that there's any question that FIU can't uh, become an equivalent to like a UCLA and 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 be a, a, an unbelievable competitor for just about any recruit in the state of Florida. Well, coach, and I are, and, and I agree with you 100. percent I started my career coaching career at FIU in 1999, and even back then. You know, we felt that we could go out and compete with anybody in the country because we had the types of athletes in that tri-county area that can go play against everybody. And, and, and we just felt that, that we should be able to get them. Now, you flip to now, and when I come back to that campus and I drive around, it's night and day. It, it, it doesn't even look the same. It's its own city. It's a beautiful place to be. It's in Miami. It's in Sweetwater where you don't have all the hustle and bustle of the city of Miami, but it's close enough to where if you want to go out and let your head out, you can do that. It is a great place. Coach, we wish you nothing but the best. We are going to be watching. Tell Dr. Rosenberg and Pete Garcia we said hello. We love you guys. Coach, good luck this season. Go Golden Panthers. We'll talk to you uh, soon. Thank you, Harley. It was awesome thank to you, be Coach with Davis. you and look forward to our next, next chance. Have a great day. We'll definitely talk during the season. We'll get caught up with you during the season sometime and see how you guys are doing. And that's it for Coach Davis. We're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to sum the show up. Me and Coach Kelvin Harris. Fort Myers, you brought up old Deion Sanders with you, Kelvin. I, I bet you didn't even know that, did you? 
Dion plays four sports. But anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Family, we're back. Thank you again, Coach Butch Davis. Again, we're going to be rooting for those Golden Panthers. So everybody, get your pom-poms ready. And, and let's go, Butch. Now, Kelly, when we left, we were talking before before Butch came on. We were just about to get into Charlie Strong and the University of South Florida. Okay, so you know, I, I don't know, you know what what you know what's going on over there, but I do know that Charlie Strong is an amazing coach. He's a great defensive mind. The people love him. When he left the University of Florida to be the head coach at the University of Louisville. A lot of people were heartbroken. But when he got to Louisville, he resurrected that program and he actually yeah, he turned did. it into a powerhouse. He, he beat us a couple of times when I was coaching at the University of Miami. Then he goes to Texas in which you know, didn't have the success that we all was hoping he would have. But now he's well, back he in the state of Florida. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's what we were told. You know, but Texas is a different place. You know, Texas is Texas is well, Texas. High school well, football in the state of Texas, you know, that, that's it's very important to those guys out there. And I think what hurt Charlie was the fact that he was recruiting, well, he was still recruiting the state of Florida as hard as what he was when he was at the University of Louisville. And I think that offended a lot of people out there in the state of Texas. Oh, no, it did. As a matter of fact, um, my sources, quote, unquote, Your tell sources. me this. 
I had to put the Adam Schefter moment onto it. No, um, it was pretty much known that the powers that be at Texas had a sit down with him after that first recruiting class and said, hey, this was nice and all, but uh, this won't happen again next year. There won't be this many Florida guys in the recruiting uh, class. And, they, you know, as a matter of fact, what's interesting is Jalen Hurts wanted to go to Texas. Mm-hmm. And he, his hands were tied. He couldn't sign him because they had already cut that deal for uh, Bouchel, and he basically wasn't allowed to even sign another quarterback. And, you know, at that point, it's interesting because then the kid goes to A&M and Kevin uh, Sumlin says, no, nah, we're good at quarterback. <laughs> Despite the fact that everybody knew Kevin Murray's son was going to transfer. Right. But but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good fit for Charlie out there because um, this is not a slight at the Texas kid, but Charlie had gotten used to recruiting Florida. And there's a certain type of dog in the Florida player, especially the South Florida player, that you can't get anywhere else in the country. And then with you with him being at Texas where they really baby and pamper them kids, it was it was not a good match. You know. Uh, well, you know, so. speaking with Charlie and, and that's what he alluded to. You know, it was like, you know, there's a different kid out here in the state of Florida than it is Texas. And and I beg to differ. You know, I, I'm not saying he's right, wrong, or indifferent, but what I will tell you, well, you I, I've Texas, had experience. You know. I recruited Texas. The inner cities are the same. They're no different. When you start talking about Fifth Ward and, and, you know, the poking bean projects and stuff like that, man, they're the same. Those kids are the same. They got that same hunger, that same desire to want to be successful. They love the game, and they know that that's their only way out. We call it the Ph.D., poor, and desperate, and that's what those kids do. Now, the only difference is, to me, the only difference is from the state of Florida to the state of Texas when it comes to high school football players, in, in those in, in the, the suburbs, you know, right outside of the cities. Okay, that's the up, difference. Buddy. You know what I'm saying? Because now you got, you know, those schools, a lot of schools in the state of Texas, the money, the finances, the resources that they have, we don't have that in the state of Florida. No, and, well, I think, I tell you, it's, it's, it's that you bring up the suburbs. And let's, let's, let's go back to, you know, the fifth, let's go third ward, uh, Yates. For instance, yep. Yates was a, was a powerhouse school. But here's the problem. All of the people that was living in Third Ward, uh, Sunnyside, have now moved to Fort Bend County. And they're all spread out. They're in Manville. And they're in the suburbs. And, and they've built new high schools. And it's watered down. So Yates, Madison, they're not the powers they are because all of the people that grew up being the powers, like you take a Santana Dotson who... Played at Yates, went to Baylor, and then was a part of the Packers championships. Where he, he's not sending his kids to Yates. You know, they live no. in the suburbs. Right. And so, the only school in the inner city in Houston that's, that's any good is Lamar, and they're kind of like how Central and Booker T is. They kind of got to deal where they kind of recruit. Yeah, so everybody goes to that school because they feel that that's the only school that they can get recruited from. Which mm-hmm. is, is you know, that's a whole nother show. But what, nonetheless. But, Charlie's in a good place now because Tampa's got a lot of talent. And Charlie's in a Tampa good all, place, but the only thing that I'm afraid of with Charlie being at the University of South Florida is that the, the people still look at South Florida, University of South Florida, as a second, third tier football program. It's not in a it's not in a great conference. There's not a lot of guys going to National Football League. There's some. Don't get me wrong. 
But there, a lot of those guys are not going to, they would rather go to Georgia than the University of South Florida. They would rather go to Auburn, um, LSU, even Kentucky. We got kids, I recruited kids out of Jacksonville, and they were like, man, Kentucky, University of Kentucky is in the SEC. I'm like, yeah, but you're at the bottom of the SEC. I coach, I don't yeah. care. I get a chance to show my, my skills against everybody else in the SEC. So that's the only thing that, that scares me with Charlie. Well, actually, this year, I'm a little nervous with Charlie, Charlie in that he's got a tough situation coming in because um, Willie went 11-2 last year. And he's got the majority of those guys coming back. You know, Quentin Flowers, the quarterback, is coming back. Defensively, they got a good majority of the players back. And they lost some guys on offense in the skill position, but they had some young talent behind them. So I think the, the problem he may have this year is people actually expect him to come in and go 11-2 again, and I just don't think that's possible. But I think 8-4, 9-4, he could do that all day, every day. And I think yeah, but, but, but I, I think the people are going to be a little bit patient with Charlie because he is Charlie Strong. They know from yeah. the time that he was here at the University of Florida. They know what he did at, at Florida. They know what him and Urban Meyer put together at the University of Florida. The people never forgot that. So I think they're going to be a little patient with him and, and allow him to build that program. Now, my only question is this, and then we got to get out of here. So here's the question. Here's the multi-million dollar question for the get down. How long does McIlwain stay at Florida? And does Charlie well, go back to the University of Florida as the head coach? I'm going to say this. Charlie's, Charlie's going to get enough time. I think he can, he'll go at least 9-4 and four this year. And if he can go 9-4, 10-3, 8-5 for the next three to four years, at some point, McIlwain will probably, if, if they continue to have success, he could get a pro offer, or if he doesn't live up to expectations in Georgia, Tennessee, um, leapfrog him. I think. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to cut you off right there. I think he's going to be successful, and I think he's going to get a shot to go to the National Football League. So, but that's our show for today. We got to ride. We got to go. Again, okay. family, welcome. Thank you for listening in today. We had a great show. Mason Denneberg, I hope you listen to the show. All you young kids that are recruits out there that want to get recruited to go to college and play football or basketball, whatever it may be, the way to go, multiple sports. Tom Brady was a multiple sport athlete. Deion Sanders, Coach Davis told you, Deion Sanders was a multiple sport athlete. He played four sports in, in high school. So we're out of here. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place. But to get down with Hurley Brown. Thanks again, Kelvin Harris, for being here. Thanks for tuning in to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. The coach wants you to join us again next week, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll have another great show ready to roll next week.